As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Generate cash. So wholesaling, fix and flip, learn how to generate cash. And what that does is it, is it teaches you how to create value and bring private money to the table. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluff. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. We do interviews with best ever guests and they give us, well, guess what? Their best ever advice. And with us today, we've got someone who has been in the industry since 1998 as a real estate investor. How you doing, Rob Swanson? Hey, Joe. I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure, my friend. Nice to have you on the show. Rob is also the owner of FreedomSoft, which he bought about 18 months ago. FreedomSoft is a successful real estate investing software. In addition to that, Rob's foundation, his background is real estate investing. He has been an investor since 1998. He has personally flipped houses in over 20 states over the years. He's currently writing a book titled Cash In, What to Do Before, During, and After the Next Housing Market Crash, and he's based in Denver, Colorado. With that being said, Rob, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, you got it, Joe. Sounds great. I got into this business, Joe, back in 1998, and I was the guy just like, 
everybody else, I was working a job, I was doing my thing, and I was saying to myself, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better life, a better lifestyle, more money. There has to be all this stuff. And so I started messing around. I have a civil engineering background. So I was going out to lunch, dinner, coffee, breakfast, whatever, with my clients, and most of them were real estate developers, investors, and I'm sitting there scratching my head saying, you know, I'm billing hours, and these guys are making millions off these projects. So I jumped into some real estate development first and very quickly realized I didn't know what to do. I didn't have it all figured out. And so I messed around with that for a few years, spent some money, made a little bit of money, didn't really kick it off until I found myself sitting on a Wednesday night downtown Denver at the Marriott Hotel in a seminar saying, ah, now I finally get it. Okay, this guy on stage makes sense one of the big shows that come through town back in the early 2000s. And the company that was coming through is no longer in existence. But I jumped into the thing and single family homes, I went from kind of the development mindset as an engineer background, seeing my clients into flipping houses. So that started my journey. And I started flipping houses. And in my first 30 days, I made $42,000. In my first 45 days, I made $42,000 cash in my pocket. And back in those days, Joe, we were encouraged, hey, fax in your copy of the check to the company that you were learning from as the testimonial. And so I'm faxing checks in every week. And one thing led to another. And I ended up coaching and some consulting for those guys. I basically became one of their coaches within about a six month period of time because I'd made about a hundred grand. I can't say I was an expert at it at that point point, but I knew how to make money doing it. And so I ended up traveling around the country for about a year and a half. Every other week, I would drop into a new city and work with a real estate investor for three to four days on the ground in their city. Talk about a training ground. And so I would go from one city to the next and I would see how different different markets were at the same time in history. And in one market is doing awesome and another market is struggling. And what I kept seeing was students and you get off the plane and you would meet them. If you made any kind of a prejudgment, the guy or gal that you would say, oh, they're going to struggle versus the guy or gal you get off and they're driving the fancy car, they're all sharply dressed. And you say, oh, they're going to do well. It would be just the opposite. And I would say to myself, what is it? What is the thing that makes one person successful and the other person struggling? I kind of figured out that it was the market at the time. Whatever was kind of happening in their market, people would try to stick the square peg into the round hole, the wrong strategy in the wrong market at the wrong time. And you can always make money, but some would just struggle because they were trying to do the wrong thing. And so kind of fast forward that I ended up starting to invest virtually in the early 2000s across the country. And we did a lot of wholesaling. We did a lot of fix and flip. We did a lot of buy and hold. And that led us through the market through the top in 2006 and 2007. And as that was kind of on its way towards this frothy top of the bubble, I said, you know what? I'm not comfortable holding a lot of this. I think it's time to cash out. So we sold, the market crashed. And as soon as the market crashed, if you were paying attention to this back then, Joe, in 2008, everybody and their brother was leaving real estate. Investors were losing huge portfolios. Like it was ugly. And I said, well, this is a great opportunity. So I put a $10 million real estate fund together and we started to buy 
at the bottom of the crash. And we started to buy and flip. And that rode us then through the bottom of the trough and kind of brings us to where we are today. We ultimately, as the market started to heat up and people have, have felt that across the country, things have got more competitive, inventory has dried up. We shut our fund down. I went to my capital partners and I said, look, guys, I can't produce the returns like we used to produce using the same strategies that we've been doing. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to wind our fund down, liquidate our assets, everybody cash out, everybody be fat and happy, and then let's keep a good relationship and let's come back and do this the next time when the opportunity is right. And so that kind of brings us to where we are today and what we're doing today is we're acquiring cash flow properties at discounts, but in markets where the price is low and the rents are high, such that there's upside potential strictly on a cash flow basis. And so that kind of is a three and a half minute overview, Joe, of my history condensed into some highlights and where we are to this day. Thank you for that. And lots of questions come to mind. Let's talk about the $10 million fund that you created in 2008 when the sky was falling. First question is, how do you bring together $10 million in 2008 to invest in real estate when everyone's running the opposite direction? <laughs> That's a great question. A couple of things. Leading up to 2008, I had done millions and millions of dollars in private money, mostly with individuals. John and Sally Smith lived down the street, either through a self-directed IRA or through cash they have, and they want to do something in real estate. When the market crashed, what we did is in the Denver area, I was running at the time the Colorado Property Investors Association. So there were guys and gals coming in and out of that meeting on a regular basis. And so I had created a platform and I was teaching people, here's what you got to do right now. Right now is the opportunity. And so long story short, I ended up making a connection through that group to a capital fund out in Stamford, Connecticut. And they were a $175 million real estate fund. And they have never played in the residential space before, but they're seeing the news headlines and they're reading Lehman Brothers going under and AIG going under and the housing bubble crashing and foreclosures rising and they're reading and seeing opportunity, but they're saying, we don't understand how to get into that game. And so I made a connection to those guys. I got on the phone with the fund manager and we started having a conversation. Well, they flew to Denver. I picked them up at the Denver International Airport. And I had a very strategically planned route that I was going to take them around Denver, where we were going to stop for lunch and what we were going to do. And we dropped into the first neighborhood. And I said, I flipped that house on the right and made $29,000. I flipped that one on the left to a local landlord and just put six grand in my pocket real quick. So we're going around. And we go to about five different neighborhoods over the course of the day. By the end of the day, they said, we want to do business with you. We want you to be our operator. And this is, I think, a big distinction. We want you to be our operator and we will bring the capital. And so when I say the operator, you be the real estate investor entrepreneur that knows how to source the deals, knows how to evaluate the deals knows how to run the construction of the deals, knows how to set up the exit strategy and liquidate the assets. 
you run everything and we'll just put the money in the pot. So they took a $175 million fund and they carved out a little $10 million piece to give us. The reality is, Joe, I made a big mistake in how I ran that fund because here's what we did. It was a fix and flip fund and it was a buy, renovate and sell fund. And what I wish I would have done, and this is all the old school hard money lenders, like the guys that were in their late 60s, 70s, and 80s in Denver at the time were telling me, Rob, take the money, buy everything you can, disconnect the utilities, board it up, and just sit on it and wait. Because they're going back to 1990-91 in the last crash. They're going back to 1973-74, the crash before that. And they're saying, here's what happened when we were your age. So do this. And I didn't listen to them. So we bought, renovated, and sold basically based on how quickly we could get our construction crews turning that inventory over. And if we ran out of construction bandwidth, and we had 70 full-time guys running construction for us through this fund, if we ran out of construction bandwidth, we dialed down our acquisitions a little bit. And that was my biggest mistake because we should have just kept buying and just sat on the assets. And if we'd have done that, Joe, and if we would have just bought everything and never fixed anything up other than maybe to a rental grade, put tenants in it, and sat on it for the next four to six years, we would have probably exited our $10 million fund at probably a $40 million exit. So probably left $30 million on the table just because we didn't do the right back-end exit strategy. Mm. So that's what we did with our fund. And we all made money. Everything was good. But as I look back in hindsight, that was my mistake. I don't plan to make that mistake next time. What's the fee structure when you work with a fund like that? Really good question. And so this is where most real estate investors make their mistakes. They bring private money to the table or they bring a capital partner to the table and they do all of this work for free up front. They find the deal, they manage the closing, they set up the construction, they manage the construction, they bring all of their knowledge to the table on you know, how to construct, they bring their network to the table to sell it, they do everything and then they wait for the thing to sell and then there's some kind of a profit split or they pay some interest rate. With our fund, here's what we did. I'm going to talk about it in two different sides because there was the fees side that we as the operator charged and we charged three things, Joe. We charged an acquisitions fee. Think of a wholesaler that is really good at sourcing and finding deals and then turns around and buys and sells those deals to another investor. So we got an acquisitions fee. We got a construction fee. And in our fund, we did all of our construction at cost and we charged a 15% construction fee on top of cost. And we got an administrative fee just to run the whole thing. And that was a flat $3,000 per asset. So let me give you a context. The day we closed on an asset in that fund, we put an average of $14,068 in our pocket. And I've run the numbers to the penny. I know exactly what our (laughs) average was. $14,068 on average. And we were buying as many as 22 houses in a month. So go do the math on that. 22 times $14,000, we were putting a lot of cash in our pocket up front as profit. Now, the back end... By we, is that your operating group or is that the entire fund? My company, my operating group, correct. Okay. 
So my company put a lot of money in the coffers up front by charging fees. And I think more real estate investors should do this from a private money standpoint. You deserve to get paid to source and find deals. You deserve to get paid to run construction. You deserve to get paid to run the project. That's about $300,000 a month then worth of just fees? Oh, yeah. Okay. So Absolutely. Okay. So we were killing it. We were crushing it on that side. And then on the back end, here's what we did. We had an equity participation split. I know for some people I'm talking complicated and other people are like, oh, yeah, we get what you're talking about. We basically split profits on the back end with the fund. And it was all based on an internal rate of return. Okay, Not a return on investment, not an annualized return, not a cash on cash return, but an internal rate of return. And so our splits ranged from, I got to think back, from 60-40, 70-30, 80-20. And the fund, imagine that, the money guys got the majority of the money. They got no less than 60% of our back-end profits. We got 40%. And if we dropped to the second tier of the internal rate of return, they got 70, we got 30. And if we dropped to the lower tier, they got 80, we got 20. What was the internal rate of return that they were looking for on each of those? Boy, I can't remember exactly what our percentages were. It's been roughly, a while. Roughly, um, just the range. But here's what I'll tell you. There was no way we were going to hit anything except for the lowest tier. <laughs> so they got 80% of the money on the back end. We got 20%. And the reason for that is the way internal rate of return works is when a dollar comes into the fund, that dollar counts against you until the last penny is paid back. So if you've brought $10 million into your fund at different points in time along the way, until the last penny is, is paid back and returned back to the fund, even if you've only got $50,000 left to pay back, the entire $10 million is counting against the last 50000 And so I just knew mathematically, that is my engineering weird background, I knew that there was no way as we started to liquidate the assets that we were going to hit anything but the lowest tier. It was mathematically impossible. And so that's why we structured the fees on the front end. That's why every fund manager, operator, structures fees because you're going to give the majority of the money away on the back end, and you do that for the opportunity for the fees and the profits on the front end to run the whole thing. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. What was the acquisition fee percentage of the purchase price? What we did there is we had every asset that we purchased had to produce a minimum of a 20% cash on cash return. So if we put $100,000 in on a particular house, on an asset, we had to net no less than a $20,000 profit after all costs. And so if we could hit a 20% cash on cash return, $20,000 profit on a hundred grand, then we could take a $6,000 acquisition fee up front. And then Above that 20% cash on cash, if we started to buy better and could produce a 22% or a 25% or a 30% cash on cash, we split the difference. We split the benefit 80-20 with our fund manager up to a $10,000 capped fee. How do you get an upfront 
6K acquisition fee based on the projected profits at a later date? You'd think that would be part of the back end, not the upfront acquisition fee. You lay out a deal calculator that you run all of your deals through. And so there's two main ways that we could have fudged those numbers, right? We could have fudged those numbers on our comps, on what's the future sale price, and we could have fudged those numbers on the cost of construction to try to line our pockets with more money up front, right? But I can tell you that within 60 days, the fund guys, they're not stupid. They're smart. They would have realized, hey, you've missed your construction budget on everyone so far, and you've missed the after-repaired value, the, the sale price on every asset so far. We don't trust you guys anymore. So within 60 days, they would have shut us down. Mm-hmm. So you have to be legitimate, but we built a deal sheet up front that every asset got run through. And if it hit the numbers on the deal sheet or the, the deal calculator, and it was a fancy spreadsheet, what we did is we would line up our acquisitions. We'd have you know 20 houses under contract. We'd run the deal calculator for everyone. We'd submit it to the fund manager. Nick would approve every asset, shoot that back to us approved. And he would wire in the money into the fund. We'd go to the closing table and we'd buy everything. Did you create the deal calculator or did they? We did working with them. Because remember, they weren't residential experts. So what we did is we showed them, here's how you have to think about a residential deal. Got it. Okay. And how long did you have this fund where you were doing 22 houses a month? We didn't do 22 houses every month. I think our peak was around 22 houses. We bought 15 to 20 a lot. We ran the entire fund for just shy of three years. And on average, how many homes did you buy per month? If you average the whole thing out over the three years, probably 15 maybe. 15 a month. Got it. Okay. Fascinating stuff. We haven't even gotten to the million dollar question. Rob, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? For the everyday investor out there, I would say three things. I think of real estate in in four phases. And this is just after a lot of years doing this. Phase one, generate cash. So wholesaling, fix and flip, learn how to generate cash. And what that does is is it teaches you how to create value and bring private money to the table. Phase two, is replace your income, replace whatever your costs are with cash flow. Phase three, build wealth. And phase four, create a legacy that you can pass on. And the strategies that you go through are, you can follow that. And where I see a lot of people make this mistake, and Joe, I'll be honest, I made the mistake for the first five to six years of of my real estate investing career, I didn't move from phase one, which was just generate cash, you know, wholesaling and fix and flip. I didn't move into cash flow fast enough. I tried it early on and I had a portfolio of about 40 houses, but I was not a good landlord. I was not a good manager and I didn't build it right. So figure out no matter what you have to do, whether you're going to build a cash flow portfolio of rentals or a portfolio of notes that provide cash flow, you got to get to phase two cash flow as soon as possible. Because once you do that, everybody listening to this, once you hit cash flow, then 
you can focus on the wealth building side of the business. But until you get to cash flow and income replacing cash flow where you don't have to worry or think about it, you're always chasing your next paycheck. You just basically have created a job. And so that's my biggest advice. Get to cash flow as fast as you can. Very simple, very straightforward, and very useful, that's for sure. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right, first a quick word from our best ever partners. Is a hard money loan right for you? Paces Funding is a private hard money lender with the fastest closings in the industry. Now lending in Florida, discover the Paces Funding difference today at pacesfunding.com. That's P-A-C-E-S-F-U-N-D-I-N-G.com. Best ever book you've read? Oh, man. I love The Millionaire Fastlane by MJ DeMarco. If you've ever read any of Dave Ramsey's stuff, MJ DeMarco picks up kind of where Dave Ramsey talks to the everyday consumer. He picks up and starts talking to the entrepreneur. Best ever personal growth experience, and what did you learn from it? Oh, man. My best ever personal growth experience, and what did I learn from it? You know, I'm going to say putting that fund together, honestly, was a great personal growth experience. It took all of the individual residential real estate experience that I had done in the past. We applied it at a much larger scale and with much bigger stakes and at a very tumultuous time in the economy. And I realized how cyclical real estate is. And so the crash is the crash is the crash, but there's a recovery coming. And so that's my lesson. What's the best ever deal you've done? It's not the hospital that I accidentally bought, but that's a different story. Best ever deal, man. The one that comes to mind a lot to me is this little house in Denver, in Montbello. It's nowhere near the most profitable deal I did, but it's one that sticks out to me as a killer deal all the time. I picked it up for $42,000. We put about $22,000 into it. And we sold it within the first week. And this is back in the downtime. We sold it in the first week for $148,000. So it was a really, really great, simple little fix and flip. Made us a ton of money. And I just have fond memories of that house. We shall have you on the show again to talk about the hospital deal. That's for sure. Best ever way you like to give back. In the early 2000s, I put together a nonprofit organization through as a spin-off division of my real estate company. And so what we did is we partnered with local nonprofits and we did our nonprofit under the community betterment piece of a nonprofit. And so we would go into lower income neighborhoods. We would partner with a nonprofit with our nonprofit, we would bring our capital, we would fund the acquisition of the ugliest house on the street, we'd fix it up, we'd turn it over, and then we would resell it to lower income families. And then we took all of the profits from that deal and reinvested it right back into that local community. So I've tried to figure out how do we take this thing that we're good at, and that is very profitable, and that's real estate investing, and how do we take some of those profits? and turn them back into the communities that we go into. And number one, we're fixing the communities up. And number two, how do we pour back into those communities and show that it matters and that we care? So that's how we've done it. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? I didn't buy everything in 2008, disconnect the utilities, board them up, and just sit on them. 
<laughs> if I'd have done that, we'd have made an extra 30 million bucks. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? They can go to freedomsoft.com and meet me there and check me out or find me on Facebook. Just look me up, Rob Swanson on Facebook, and that's probably where I'm the most active in the social world. Boy, we covered this fund, and I learned a lot. I know the best ever listeners learned a lot, and it was just fascinating stuff how you put together a $10 million real estate fund in 2008 when everyone was going the opposite direction, and you went headfirst into the fix and flips in Denver. Regret is holding on to them instead of doing a quick turn, but hindsight's twenty twenty. Sounds like you all still made a pretty penny considering that you averaged over $14,000 per transaction and you did on average about 15 a month for three years. Then on top of that, getting into the fee structure, both the acquisition fee, the construction fee, and the admin fee, as well as the back-end participation with the internal rate of return. And then talking through the four phases of real estate investing and progress as a real estate investor as we go from generating cash all the way through creating a legacy that we can pass on. Really grateful that you're on the show. We'll definitely have you back to talk about that hospital deal, as well as the new book that you've got coming out that you're in the process of writing. I would love to learn more about that, and specifically the things to do before, during, and after the next housing market crash, which could be coming up after the election. You never know. So thanks so much for being on the show. I hope you have a best ever day. Uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, Joe. Thanks. Is a hard money loan right for you? Paces Funding is a private hard money lender with the fastest closings in the industry. Now lending in Florida, discover the Paces Funding difference today at pacesfunding.com. That's P A C E S F U N D I N G.com.